0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex and Self Podcast, a podcast where you get to learn a little bit about sex and hopefully a lot about yourself. Today, we have a very great guest with us. His name is Kyle, and Kyle's here to talk to us about something that not everybody is super down to chat about. And we're really going to talk about what happens in the back door, what we're doing, what we're trying, how we got there. and how we're getting off there. So thank you so much, Kyle, for coming to talk to me. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Um, hey everybody, I'm Kyle. I am a McGill student for now. We'll see how uh, how term one went. Um, but no, uh, I identify as a gay man, he, they pronouns, and I have some experience in the field with this one day. So I'm happy to share my experiences and just talk a little bit about this.
0: I'm so happy that you're here to chat with me because, uh, a lot of this podcast is also about me exploring myself and my sexuality. And this is a door that I have not yet entered, but I'm very, very interested in exploring. Um, and as for someone who has sex with men and women, for me personally, I get all my, all my dick advice from my gay friends. Uh, specifically my gay friends who have sex with penises, because I think who better to tell me like you have a penis you know what you're doing with your penis you know i get all my blowjob tips from them um so i'm really really excited because this is something that i'm really interested in exploring myself but it's not just something that you can you can't just enter without knocking so
1: <laughs> totally agree i couldn't agree more let me tell you
0: <laughs> no it's definitely something and also something that we're not really taught about in sex ed or any sort of sexual health class They don't really explore anything besides uh, penetrative sex with a penis owner and a vulva owner. So I'm really, really excited to give folks like a crash course um, and also to learn myself. So for you, what does anal sex like entail? Is it different every time? Is it one specific action or, uh, you know,
1: thing? What is it for you? Great. So, okay. So like there's, you know, I think that there's two kind of, like, areas here. There's, like, society, like, how many people have you had sex with? Like, oh, straight bro, like, oh, what's your body count? <laughs> um, and so that's, like, one thing and that's, like, like, pretty just, like, straight, penetrative, like, penis and anus sex. However, I kind of think that like it can be like a lot of things it doesn't like because like if you're just like putting your dick in someone's ass slash receiving a dick in your ass every single time is that super fun like no so like fingers on option toys on option a little bit of like eating ass like there's like a lot there that is like under the sexual branch of anal play that i think like realistically should be like grouped into anal sex. So there's a there's a lot to explore. There's a lot of just some, like often use if you're feeling like a little bit like fun and quirky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I think that's super important to note. It's because even for people who are having straight sex, it's not just about, you know, penis in the vagina and then it's done. Like that's never how it's that's never how it's gotten vulva owners off. I don't know what What's going on with the penis owners? I frankly don't care. But I think that that's really, really important to talk about kind of the foreplay, the different options and kind of like the alternatives, because sex doesn't have to be just one thing. And that's why I'm excited to have you here. So what was your experience, I guess, coming into your own sexuality and then actually becoming sexual? Because I don't think that's an easy thing for a gay man.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's very true. I feel seen, I feel heard. Um, no, it's like totally true. It's, it's one of those things where like, I was pretty lucky to have like decent sex ed in my opinion. However, it was very like heterosexual sex ed, right? And I think that, that you like have like a weird thing with anal sex but like, it's like normal for a lot of queer folk. However, they don't really talk about queer sex in a sex ed class or it's just like taboo, like kink thing, the hetero, like heterosexual sex, which is like also not talked about in sex ed. So it's like really one of those things that you just have to like do like your own research on and like definitely as like an early teenager, like not getting the best research on that way. Cause like, that's like, you're like learning it from porn and stuff like that. And it's like, that's super weird. That's like, like no, never. <laughs> right? So I don't know. For me, it was like definitely a journey of you know, searching like dick and butt, and then like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can't no,
0: me. there is no shame because the amount of um I actually didn't watch porn until I was older, but for some reason, young me was coming across a lot of animal intercourse, and I found it super interesting. But that's so weird like if if the FBI agent on my computer was probably like what the hell no literally child looking at like so there's no shame especially like I mean so you're in first year so I'm 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 under the impression that like you're in your 20s you know 10 years ago when we had access to the internet There was no ethical porn. There was really no comprehensive sex ed sites. Like we're slowly coming into that, but we're not even close to being there where like I would feel comfortable letting like my child Google sex and be like, you're going to get a comprehensive look at something that's science-based and ethical and blah. No, no, no. Like even now I'd still be like. (laughs) Uh, like,
1: Exactly. Like never. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying.
0: Were there like any, because obviously like like a lot of folks, unfortunately, you have to learn from experience and instead of from education. Were there any like trial and error moments that you kind of look back on being like, oh, I wish I didn't do that or that was funny or I, you know, if I could, if I could warn people now, I would tell them not to do what I did.
1: Oh, let me tell you so <laughs> many times. Okay. So we're going to break this down to two seconds. Okay. We're going to stay organized. So the first is, like, like, self-experimenting. Okay, so besties. They say everything is a dildo if you try hard enough. Sometimes you try a little too hard. Oh. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Well, let's get right into it. So, um, <laughs> bestie Kyle, um, you know, was, like, experimenting with what can fit, right? very fun very flirty was there like a very large plunger ha- like handle and like hair conditioner is lube involved yes wait wait
0: wait wait we gotta go to the plunger was the plunger side what side
1: okay so it's not like the plunger side it's like the like the the other handle. side yeah it was a large handle though Sorry, mom and dad. Um, yeah, like, I'm
0: trying to pick the setting, like, in your mom's basement, like, oh, like off.
1: In, in, no, in the shower. Oh, I, yeah, mm-hmm, I agree. So, you know what I, so it's, like, one of those things where, like, was that, like, the best, it, like, experience? No, but also, I think that the learning moment that came from that is that, like, that day specifically, I didn't start small. And you're like, you really have to start small. You know what I mean? So lessons from Kyle's life, start small. And there, there is such thing as too big. Yeah, Definitely.
0: I think sure. all the owners can tell you that real quickly. But cool. also the thing that I recent, well, not recently learned, but the thing that I learned because I talk quite often about sex toys is like your, mm-hmm. your bum is like a bottomless pit. Like if something goes up there, it will get lost. Like, it's oh. not coming out unless you're going to the doctor. So anytime I, like, refer folks to sex toys or butt plugs, I'm like, you can try with different things, but if the toy doesn't have a stopper, do not put it anywhere close to your butt.
1: I agree. And let me tell you, I have um, a wonderful boyfriend named Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre is actually a dildo, but you know what? I refer to him as my boyfriend. So our bestie, Jean-Pierre, right? um he he's he's a wonderful ombre very cute um and he has a stopper which is very much appreciated number one because that's a suction cup you can like put it like lots of fun places and do lots of fun things (laughs) however it also prevents a little oopsie moment that could that could occur so like definitely especially when you're like doing shopping it's like good to have like a little bit of like this is as far as it's going to go in and we're really like okay with that
0: well yeah we can't we are not buying toys for our, our bum that th- don't have stoppers because that, exactly. that call to 911 is just probably going to not be very fun
1: oh I agree let me tell you but yes and then also okay a note on buying toys sorry I know that we're jumping around however a nice note on buying toys um I would always say if you're doing it with a part, if the toy is not the final result, if you're going to like use the toy, then be with a partner, I would always say that it's better to overshoot the size. Keeping in mind before what I said about like, there's such thing as too big. However, from what I've heard from vulva owners, um, there's a little bit more elasticity in that area than the anus. And so the thing with your butt is that it doesn't really want to be that open. So when you put a toy in, very quickly, it will start coming back together. So if you don't give it extra room compared to your partner's penis, for example, it's even if the dildo fit, your partner's penis might not or it might not fit comfortably, which is important. So if you're, like, getting into that, like, oh, I should buy a toy, keep that in mind.
0: Interesting. So you want to, like, overshoot if the toy is not the end goal. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because it's not the same with vulvas. Um, mm-hmm. Because vulvas are, they contract and they expand when they, like, are erect, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So that's actually really interesting. And you had another kind of story that you were getting to besides the conditioner and the plunger. What was another mistake that you wanna
1: tell people? This is is something, this is like a common experience I've heard from a lot of people. So there was this person, I'm gonna call them bareback Tony. So bareback Tony, he was this guy, and I've been talking to him for a couple of weeks, and we finally found a time to hook up. And you know, we were very aware of what was gonna happen. And so, you know, I get there, we to do a little bit of foreplay, a little bit of a horror story with that. However, moving on, um, so we get to anal sex and I brought my loot, so it's like cool. So it's on the counter, it's open. And I just kind of laid back because I'm posting a bottom. Did this man put lube on? No. Did he just kind of put it in? Yeah. Did that hurt, like, a lot? Yeah. <laughs> so, part of it was just, like, like, keeping communication channels open, but part of it was just, like, everybody involved with this experience should know that lube is, like, a must, must, must because, like, that like ranks up in like top pain of my life. Like not a good time, not a good time.
0: So you mentioned <laughs> laying back to be bottom and uh, we will get into lube in a second because I feel like lube <laughs> should just be at the forefront of everything. But um, yeah. a it, top in, topping and being a bottom are like a big thing in the queer community, but a lot <laughs> of folks don't really understand what that means. So in the context of anal sex, what does it mean to be a bottom? And what does it mean to be a top?
1: Totally. That's great note on terminology. Uh, So top and bottom are essentially just like the different positions. So if you're a top, generally that means that you are going to be inserting. And if you're a bottom, that means that you're going to be receiving. Obviously, there's like some like blurred lines in the terminology. I know that some people um, that engage in heterosexual sex, other kind of sex, use those terms more to refer to like, whether you have like a submissive or dominant personality. But within the queer community specifically, it's usually a giving or receiving thing. But I think that an important note on topping and bottoming is that um, you don't necessarily have to be a penis owner to be a top. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that might use toys instead of, you know, if they have a trans experience or something like that. So I think, you know, within the realm of tops and bottoms, sometimes we have to, like, escape our preconceived notions of it. However, it is fair to say inserting, receiving is, like, kind of where the delineation there falls.
0: No, I think that's that's important to know for the baby gaze. Uh,
1: oh, for sure. So we, we
0: want to let them know because we want them to feel ready and prepared.
1: So- Love our baby gaze.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so going into like preparation um what would you say to young people who are are maybe interested in anal play but like have no experience don't know what they're in for Uh, what would you tell them to like what would what would be in their like sex bag if they were bringing it over to someone's house
1: oh great question let me tell you great question so number one lube so so much like ridiculous amounts of lube um, <laughs> it's a must, 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 must. Number two, condoms, please wear condoms, people. Um, very important, you know, they do more than prevent pregnancy. They also prevent a bevy of nasty STIs um, that could either be permanent but treatable or require a very uncomfortable treatment. So please wear condoms. Um, I personally like to bring a toy. Sometimes I'll just like do stuff. The toy before, if like it's not too long of a walk, but sometimes something over. And a douche is one of those things. Okay, maybe I should explain what a douche is. So I know, like, a lot of it's actually surprised. I like met a baby gator that I absolutely love, a bestie, one might say. Um, and they didn't really know what a douche was. And so, like, I just like take them through it. But it was like a, a good learning experience. Anyway, so a douche is generally something that's like bulbous and has a straw that goes up your ass. And it can, like, clean the area out. So you just kind like, of, fill it with warm water, squirt it up there, make sure it's clean. Um, and then, you know, there's obviously ones you can buy from a store. Did baby me sometimes use, like, plastic water bottles for the whole cut on the top? Maybe.
0: Oh, okay. I would not recommend that. No,
1: no, rec- no definitely not recommending that. However... I- I know it's a preference.
0: I know it's a, sorry to interrupt, but I know it's a preference from some folks. Uh, what I will say is your asshole isn't made to be squeaky clean. So obviously do it with precaution. Absolutely. Mm. But I know that a lot of folks who tend to receive anal sex, um, like douching so it's like a preference but it's not a recommendation that's what I would say to the babies
1: totally and I think that that's definitely a conversation that you have to have with your partner because I've been with some partners that are like I don't need you to douche at all I've been with some people that are like I would prefer if you cleaned it but if like a little oopsie happens and that's that and I've been with people that are just like if it's not fully clean I'm not doing anything and I have been in very awkward scenarios where I've cleaned before and they've gone in and it's not been completely clean and they've just like ended, it. they've just been like, nope, done, leave my house. Um, so, you know, so that's like, that's a tough situation to manage, obviously, but it's definitely just one of those like fairly open conversations that you have to have with a partner because I don't think that either of you want to be in for a surprise. Um, when you get there. So just talk about that. And I guarantee any queer man that you're talking to um, will be very comfortable with the conversation. Well, I've had the conversation before. Um, so don't be afraid to ask. It's like a very normal thing. It's very kind of, I don't know. It's just like part of the culture, part of the like, ooh, having sex, like besties, like what are we going to do? You know what I mean? No,
0: absolutely. And what I like the most about i think the queer community is just their openness to have those dialogues and those conversations because Mm -hmm. i think with heteronormative couples and and as someone who hooks up with men Mm -hmm. i find that straight i mean straight men for the most Mm -hmm. part i find that they're not there's an assumption of what sex is and that's what Mm -hmm. everyone kind of goes into those encounters and partnerships with but with, you know, anal sex or any sort of queer sex where the genitalia is very similar, there isn't, like, a default. There isn't, like, one specific expectation. Whereas, like, vulva owners and penis owners, it's, like, P in the V, ejaculation, termination. And you're just, like, Ugh! and and then this is why condom negotiation is so hard for straight people, specifically women in general. Mm-hmm. Um You know, using toys, a lot of straight guys are so like scared of them, they're intimidated. Whereas in the queer community, there's no like default quote unquote norm, um, which is something I personally appreciate a lot.
1: I would say one of the most relieving questions that I could hear from a guy is what are you into? Because that means like, okay, I get to like set out what I like, what I don't like, if I want to like introduce a little bit of kink in the bedroom. I can have that like in advance and like not have it be weird when I would be like, Hey, can I call you daddy? Like, you know, like, well, we're fucking Um, or just like in general, like if they say like, Hey, what are you into? I'm into X, Y, Z. They can be like, yeah, I'm not going to do Z P Q with you, but I will do X A with you. Cool. Great negotiation. Perfect to have that before. So happy about that. And I do think that that just like it helps a lot with the consent process. However, I think an issue with that that I've had like sometimes and like in a very recent experience as well is that when you say that you're open the kink, sometimes people assume that you're m- into more than you say. And like recently I had someone like pull out some food and like put it on body parts that I I didn't really want, but he kind of like did it before I could say yes or no. And I was like, oh, we didn't discuss this before. And I'm not like super comfortable with this." So that's like getting on a different tangent, but I think there's kind of like this pro con of like being a little bit more open because sometimes if you say, oh, I'm open. that kind of like opens some doors that you don't want to open.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that's, unfortunately, like a little bit of a misconception within the queer community, but even like outside of the queer community. Um, But I think what's really interesting is like the BDSM community, if it's actually practiced correctly, is I think one of the most consensual like sex practices ever. If you do it correctly, you ask exactly what you like, you have a safe word, everything is detailed out. Unfortunately, I think somebody crossed your boundaries, which I, I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, but I think that there's like an attitude around queerness and particularly anal sex. And I wanted to know like, how do you find or how do you personally find intimate relationships as a queer man? Like, how do you, not that it's impossible, that sounds mm-hmm. weird, but like, how do you find sex emotionally intimate as well as like sexual because they can be two different things and they also can be the same
1: mm-hmm. totally so i think i think an interesting thing uh in queer culture is that we have tools like grindr that are a lot more hookup focused um and so i personally find at least these days that i'm having a lot more intimate experiences that i don't necessarily have an emotional tie to um but that's like that's good for me I'm I'm kind of glad at this point in my life that I have the option for maybe some like no strings attached just like I want pleasure you want pleasure let's make this happen but I do think as well that that kind of might kind of hurt the emotional connection side of it because it's such an assumption of just like this is just sex that all that's all it is That's sometimes like hard to go out there and like find something more lasting maybe and I think that that's like something that I experience a lot with like when I go and have sex with someone particularly off an app and I'm just like oh I actually had a really good time with you I have a hard time going back and saying hey do you want to go do this again or next time do you want to get coffee you know what I mean and so I think that that there's kind of like a uh, weird interplay between the queer community and sex where like Sex is a lot more open, but that is sometimes a barrier between you and like more emotionally connected um, experiences.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think a lot of folks are having trouble with that with online dating in particular. Mm -hmm. um, Because it's online dating, I kind of have this like double edged sword with. I think it's super great. People are empowered to kind of seek out what they want, but I also think that it puts people in this kind of loop of, like, looking for bigger and better and and kind of like a hamster wheel of just, like, there's always something um, that it, like, doesn't help folks get into really intimate relationships. Granted, you're very young. Uh, we're both very young, so I don't yeah. even know if, I mean, I, I should have asked before, but I don't even know if you're looking for an intimate relationship. So I don't want to, like, play into that connotation of, like, queer people aren't, like romantic because they very much are but uh you're also very very young so I'm like do you even want that I'm kind of thinking I'm like if someone asked me that I'd be like I don't fucking want a relationship right now but uh
1: that's dad but it's like a weird thing because I'm just like it's one of those things where like if the right person comes along of course I'm gonna be like if it's right it's right but am I like actively out there just like I need like a long-term boyfriend that I'm gonna like marry right now Like, no, I'm 18, I'm having a good time, I'm, like, I'm just, at this point, I'm just vibing exclusively, and if vibes end up in a relationship, cool, but, like, that's as far as we're going at this point in time. Yes,
0: absolutely. So, when you're navigating more casual relationships, and you have access to those right now, um, how do you specifically protect yourself from STIs?
1: Right, that great question. Um, so obviously, I talked about before, condoms is are really important, and I, condom negotiation is also important as well because there's a big phenomenon of bareback, um, and bareback essentially is just unprotected anal. Um, but people are just like, hey, like there's like barebackers, right? Um, and so that's, like, definitely something that you have to, like, set out before, like, well, are you going to use protection? Um, but I, barebacking definitely, um, I think, has risen, from what I know, at least, has risen um, with, obviously, uh, HIV medication that makes you undetectable, which is super important. I think that's super important to talk about, because, you know, there's lots of HIV positive people that are out there being able to have safe sex with people because other medication is also PrEP, which is something that I think a lot of baby gays don't know about, so baby gays, listen up. Um, but PrEP is a uh, really great medication. I've been meaning to get on it forever and I'm probably gonna seek that over the Christmas break, but it's this once a day medication that you can take and it makes you, it's like 99% effective against receiving like the transmission of HIV and you can take it if you don't have HIV. Um, which is really good. And it's really helping the commu- uh, queer community be, be really safe. Uh, and there's this really great website called Freddie, which I'm going to plug for everybody that's in Canada, at least. Um, and what it does it helps you find a doctor that will prescribe you prep, because I know it's a very awkward conversation. At least for me, I was like, thinking about going to my family doctor, but I was like, he's a 65 year old man. Um, <laughs> I'm really going to go up and be like, Hey, I'm getting butt fucked multiple times a week. Can I have prep? You know what I mean? Like that's like not <laughs> I'm not like, like going to Doctor Cohen, who's like seeing you know my grandfather um, every week for his cancer treatment, and he'll be like, "Oh, guess what? Your grandson asked for last week." So we're not like we're not we're not looking to have that moment come up. So Freddie, great website that can get you in contact with doctors. Um, and a great thing I am from Ontario originally, and I believe that Ontario's um, like under 25 prescription plan fully covers PrEP um, if you're on PrEP. So you could get it for free if you're a young queer person that's looking to protect themselves. Um, So those are the two things. I think another like weird thing in terms of condom usage is specifically head because I know like you're definitely supposed to wear condoms during head, but I don't know many people who do. And am I guilty of like letting guys nut in my mouth? Yeah, like I definitely am. So it's like it's it's a weird, it's a weird negotiation where you're just like, I know that it's weird if I ask and I don't particularly want to, but there's also this thing at the back in the back of your mind it's just like, but I'm putting myself at risk. So it's definitely the type of thing that you have to negotiate with myself. I'm not gonna say that I am necessarily the pinnacle of safe sex because I'm not always perfect.
0: But nobody is. And I think the best people who advocate for safe sex are the folks that have actually received a positive diagnosis uh, because they understand. It's not even about the like fear mongering ramifications of like, don't have sex or you'll die or like even me myself, like I tell everyone to wear a condom. Am I perfect in practice? No, but we're human. So Mm -hmm. ultimately I think what's most important is really having those dialogues and making sure that folks are getting tested consistently. And what's great to know is that um, with testing, you can get anal swabs, pee in a cup, and you can get mouth swabs. Um, Mm -hmm. And your mouth swabs are different from your anal swabs and your vaginal swabs, et cetera, et cetera. So, Mm -hmm. but I think also just being transparent and saying like, I let guys not in my mouth, ditto. You know? Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not gonna, I'm not super, super active in using protection during oral sex. And you know what? That's not the worst thing. I personally practice getting tested after every partner. I also don't have sex that consistently. So it's not as, like, as challenging as, like, if you're having sex with multiple partners in, like, short durations of time. Uh, but that's just my practice and that's not for everyone and it's not accessible to everyone either. Um, and not everyone can afford it too, which is like super unfortunate. One thing that is great to note is that in most Canadian provinces, there are actually health benefits for specifically queer identifying people. So I think that your prep will actually be covered until you're 27 in Ontario, mm-hmm. uh, cause they have some special like things if you identify as queer, um, for that type of like sexual health medication. So it's fantastic what we're, what we're kind of like coming to, but it's also, I think just as important to like keep the conversation going and make sure that the baby gays are protecting themselves as best as they can. Um, what would you say to folks who are like maybe interested in going forth on their like anal adventures, but Are a little bit timid, like, did you have any social apprehensions before you chose to have sex, anal sex for the first time? Mm
1: -hmm. I think, you know, the social apprehensions were, like, more so just, like, about being gay for me particularly, um, but I know that for a lot of, uh, people in, like, heterosexual relationships, it's, like, more apprehension that way, but I think, a lot of the apprehension came internally just from just from a like, are you ready perspective? It, like, it seems like something that's like pretty scary and I know a lot of people are scared. So I, I guess my number one advice is um, experiment with yourself before you experiment with other people um, for, for two reasons. One of them is that I think that a lot of people that are giving, like people that are topping you aren't like super aware of like how it feels and like, I will, this is not to scare people, but it's like anal sex, like a little bit painful. Yeah. in like it's own way. It's not like, it doesn't like feel painful in like just like the owl way, but like it's a, it's a little uncomfy. And so that's like an uncomfiness you want to like feel with yourself first. And then at that point you can decide like, what do I need to make this less uncomfy? Or do I just dislike this uncomfy and I don't want to go forward on this journey? Uh, so those are like, that's like something that you have to like reconcile with yourself. First thing to start with, 100% fingers. With yourself, it's small, it's accessible. Just lick your finger, feel around, see what's going on. So like, oh, hi, but like, how are you today? I, and it's like, I'm, I'm doing good. Like, you know, like. Like, you know, what you're trying out, and just like, oh, just like, oh, just gonna stick it in. It's like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? And then you know, and then and then like maybe maybe it's a it's a whole like finger party, and like maybe your like middle finger wants to join. It's just like, oh, like, you know, I'd like I guess I was invited to the party a little bit late. And then like maybe your pinky joins and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like it's bumping in here. Um, so you know what I mean? Like you could there's a whole world to experiment with with yourself figure out how much feels good figure out how far in feels good and then once you are comfortable with your limits you can decide if you want to go forward with bigger toys or with actual people
0: no absolutely and it's it's interesting how I feel like socially we separate anal sex from vaginal sex like we feel like it's in two different realms or worlds. But I give the same advice to folks who are interested in having sex again, or sex for the first time. It's all about knowing exactly what your body likes and what your body needs. And everyone's prostate, well, specifically for penis owners, everyone's prostate, it's in the same vicinity, but it's not always in the same area. Like there isn't just like one magical place to pick, you know? (laughs) So I think that that's super important to know exactly what you like yourself and then you'll better you'll be able to better advocate for yourself when you come with a partner and it doesn't have to be penetrative like you said earlier it can be you know external play the reason why I realized that I was really interested in anal play is because someone did an external play on me and I was like whoa this is really why haven't I done this before and then i
1: (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes
0: sometimes yeah. it's good. It's good to have somebody who's interested in doing a little bit more to you and experimenting with you. Um, but obviously, like I wanna, I, I I'm still trying to figure out what I like before I get anyone else involved and what my routine is because it's gonna be different for everyone. Um but I really, really appreciate you coming and talking to me today about this and giving the baby gaze, but even just giving, like, anyone who, ha- everyone has a bum, like, oh, a-
1: very true,
0: and I think that it's very, very unfortunate that we don't, specifically with straight men, that they're mm-hmm. very, very homophobic to not let anyone come in, in around their bum, because uh, mm-hmm. it's a great place for y'all, like, it is the male G-spot, Uh, And it's actually an organ that exists. The female G-spot doesn't exist. It's just the clit. Um, Fun fact. But I really appreciate you coming and being really transparent with your experiences because I I think that that, it brings a lot of comfort. Like the uncomfortableness of like the retelling brings just like folks a lot of comfort because they know that they're not alone. And I know that more people are going to be able to relate than not to. Um, So if people want to come and find you and ask you some questions? Do you have like a place where you wanna direct people or you wanna plug?
1: Oh, totally. Let me tell you. Okay. Um, so number one, if you need to find me, let me tell you, Grinder, Tender, Montreal <laughs> area, hit me up, but if you actually have questions, <laughs> Uh, my Instagram is Kyle underscore Munzy. Um Just sign me a DM, send me a follow request at Instagram celebrity. Um, and I will be absolutely happy to talk about any of this with you. And I am a little, I'm a good little com- confidential source. No one has to know besties. Um, and no, I'm totally happy to share my experiences. But thank you so much for having me on.
0: Well, thank you so much, Kyle. We're going to make sure we plug all of your socials and also that website that you mentioned earlier for our Canadian listeners, if they're interested in seeking out prep. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks again, Kyle, for coming on the Sex and Self podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe on all your podcast platforms and stay tuned for a new episode next Monday. Thanks for listening.